Raider Nation, wake up and get ready because it's time for the morning grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Good morning, Raider Nation. I'm Eddie Pascal, and today is February 2nd, 2021. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Morning Grind. Today on the podcast, we are very excited to welcome in Ken Rogers, the director of the upcoming 30 for 30, Al Davis vs. the NFL. During a very busy time for him leading up to the premiere of the documentary, Ken was good enough to give us a few minutes and have a conversation that really covered everything about the film, from its inception to its execution, and why now was the right time to tell the story of Al Davis and Pete Rozelle. So, without further ado, enjoy our conversation with Ken Rogers. And today we're joined by Ken Rogers, director of Al Davis vs. the NFL. And Ken, I was telling you a second ago, this is a conversation we've been very, very excited to have for the past couple of weeks. So, first of all, thank you for joining us. And secondly, take me back, how did this project come to be? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, and secondly, I guess um, the easiest answer is Al Davis has been on our list of the best personalities in the National Football League um, probably since 1962 when the NFL Films building was first created. I mean, that's forever. He has been our favorite character uh, in NFL Films history. He, he just jumps off the screen and we knew that one day we were going to do this treatment of him and Pete Rozelle and their relationship. And it was really when we featured the Raiders on Hard Knocks, where I sensed that the relationship between NFL films and the Raiders had started to turn a corner because Mr. Davis and Steve Sable, my old boss, you know, they, they had a tense relationship at some point because Al would call and say, why aren't the Raiders rated number one on the all-time franchise list? Why, why, why was the, why were the giants featured as much in that piece and not the Raiders? Uh, You know, why wasn't this receiver ranked higher in this piece? He was always fighting for the Raiders brand and always believed in the right Raiders brand and would always call and, and, and want us to feature them more. But when we featured the Raiders on hard knocks, I sensed that, the Raiders and the league had turned a corner and, and it felt different. And I realized that 2020 really marked the end of hostilities of that decades long war between the Roselle regime and the Al Davis regime that fought really over stadium and relocation issues for decades. And Mark Davis and commissioner Goodell had put those issues to rest. And now in 2020, we were able to make this film, not just about the war that was, but we were able to show how the war was now over, moving to Las Vegas, creating this new and magnificent stadium, to me showed that the war for now is definitely over. 2020, a year of forgiveness, right? I mean, 2020 was a year of a lot of things, but hey, if we can get a little forgiveness, if we can build some bridges, if we can get on good terms with a lot of people, I'll, I'll call that a W. But Ken, when you look at Al Davis as a character, so from your point of view, not as a football fan, but just as a, as a director, a producer, a storyteller, what about him as a character makes him just so unique and so dynamic and just a guy that even all these years later, people still talk about? Conviction. 
mm. conviction in, in who he was. You know, there's not a lot of us in the world who feel confident enough in who they are to be unapologetic about it and, and not worry what other people think about them. You know, all of us, whenever we're talking to other people, we want other people to like us. We want other people to respond to us positively. So we watch what we say. We, we try to charm them. We try to try to make sure that our argument wins. We collaborate. We scheme. Mr. Davis was that sort of figure that he was who he was. He was going to present his point of view. He was a competitor. He wasn't a collaborator as much as he was a competitor. He wanted to win. And he believed in the Raiders. He believed in the brand. He believed in the team and the players and the coaches. And he wasn't afraid to say that. He wasn't afraid to say, no, I care more about the Raiders than the National Football League in this instance. I'm not going to play along. I'm not going to play nice. I want the Raiders to win. And I care most about the Raiders. And that's what's important to me. And that took some guts in a world, in a business world, where the rest of the owners were on one side and he was the only owner taking uh, the other side against all of them. And uh, that conviction to be who you are and not be afraid of it is something you don't see in a lot of people. And really that, convic that conviction, that kind of self-awareness, that identity, even today is one of the founding core principles of being a Raider, right? Of being a fan right. of this team, of loving the silver and black. And, and, you know, Ken, so for most of us, so for those of us who obviously work for the team, follow the team, are a fan of this team, and obviously for guys like you who are in the position that you are, you know kind of the story, the more or less kind of general ups and downs of the story of Al Davis and Pete Rozelle. But when you really got into the nitty gritty, when you were kind of doing your documentarian research, did anything about this story surprise you? Was there anything that kind of caught you off guard? And you're like, oh, I, I, I didn't know that. There, there were, there's tons of details that I had no idea about. Um, you know, as a, as a guy who is in his late forties now, I must've during these trials, I must have been watching the A-Team or Night Ride <laughs> or something because I wasn't paying attention to the, to the details that I found in this film. Just imagine today if what happened in those trials happened today. If you had a current owner of the NFL testifying against the rest of the owners and then a second owner testified against that owner and had a heart attack while he was on the stand, Meanwhile, a third owner accused the first owner of threatening him physically. Um, and meanwhile, the first owner is saying that he has no respect for the commissioner of the league that he is battling. All of this on the courthouse steps on a daily basis. Uh, then the accusation of a plant by the NFL is, is thrown in there and, and Twitter wouldn't, Twitter wouldn't be able to handle it, Ken. Like, Twitter would literally <laughs> shut down. This is like the, the situation the you're describing is built for social media, right? I think that all the time, that Al Davis and this trial would have destroyed social media because for not for days on end, but for years on end, it would have been the story of, of Twitter every day for years on end. It was that crazy. But you know what it's crazy to think about, too, is – 
when you think of all this madness, all of these legal maneuverings, and like you said, who's threatening who today, the team itself was playing an unprecedented brand of football, which is well, like it's a crazy story to begin with. And then you think, oh, but the, the team that was kind of at the middle of it, all they were doing is winning too. Well, that's what you, that's what people also need to be reminded of. Um, I don't think so much Raiders fans, but people out there in the country that that don't know the history of how advanced thinking Al Davis was in terms of football, while he was also suing the NFL and and winning and very forward thinking in terms of the stadium importance in the NFL, which is part of this story. The things you see in the modern NFL, the attacking defense, the hard hitting safeties, the vertical passing game, everything that that you cheer for today, that didn't exist in the 1960s. That was Lombardi Packers plotting very conservative offense and defense, play the basic football uh, type of style. Al Davis opened up football and really, um, you know, brought that AFL more aggressive style to the National Football League after the merger and changed changed the whole game and brought what we see on the field today to the world, just as television was coming out. So uh, part of the success of the NFL was getting on television, and Pete Rozelle deserves a lot of credit for that. But what fans saw when they tuned in the television Al Davis deserves a lot of credit for that because it was a much more entertaining uh, product because of his football acumen. Yeah, I mean, he was such a pioneer in so many ways, right? We talk about his his pioneer mentality off the field, but then, as you said, the stuff that he did on the field to change the game and make it more of a, more of kind of applicable to what we're seeing today in 2021. But, you know, Ken, it's, if the past year has taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You look at you and I were having this conversation via Zoom, which has now become essentially the de facto way of communicating these days. But do you think we'll ever kind of see a battle between characters the way that we did with Al Davis back in those days? Or is that, is that just kind of a moment in time that we are probably never going to see again? I don't think we'll see it again. I think um, uh, I, I think these were two sportsmen, um, and now it is more corporate in a way that um, you wouldn't be fighting over ideas. You'd be fighting over too much money, and, and when money gets involved, I think things change. And I also think that the public perception uh, would be much different, um, and and would be harder to harder to go through the years on. I, I think this is one of the major lessons of the film is that a lot of people um, still believe that Al Davis, because he was a rebel and, and a contrarian um, and maybe even a bit of an outlaw towards authority, that he was a villain or a bad guy. And that's not the case. And these days, uh, people have a, a, a hard time drawing the line between the two. Um, if you fight authority, if you're anti-authority, you don't have to necessarily be a villain. You don't have to cross the line and be a bad guy. You see in this film how Al Davis is an incredible person and cares so much, of, even about his opponent, P. 
Roselle. By the end of the film, the feelings between them are amazingly shown on screen. Um, and I think today it, it might unfortunately just become inflamed too much. And I think we need to look at this sort of film and see two people who opposed each other more than anyone could oppose anybody, but yet still had great respect and, and even love for each other uh, despite their differences. And I, I, maybe I'm a cynic, and I, but I, I find it hard to believe that that could happen today without it going too far. You know, and something you said earlier, just a second ago, kind of piques my interest. Can you imagine, though, going through all this stuff, how just exhausting it must be, how just physically, emotionally draining all this has to be, all while trying to win football games on Sunday? Like, it's just the, the level of energy and commitment is just something that, frankly, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, to kind of understand from his point of view. I think for both men, it was. Uh, obviously, for um, Commissioner Roselle, I think there's a very clear argument that um, he might have lived longer if not for the troubles in the NFL in the 1980s. It wasn't just the lawsuits with the Raiders. It was also the USFL trying to, to fight against the NFL. It was the player strikes and two seasons of scab play. It was, you know, just tons of stuff was, was uh, going wrong in the NFL in the 80s. It was a tough decade that he was leading uh, the NFL through. And for Al Davis, I don't think it's a coincidence that just as he moved to Los Angeles and had to keep focusing on these stadium issues, you know, they won the Super Bowl in the second year in Los Angeles in 1983. And then, you know, they, they've had plenty of good years. There's been plenty of ups since then but he had to spend a lot of time in the next decade or two fighting lawsuits and fighting things off the field that I know he would have rather spent that energy on the field, concentrating on football. It was exhausting to him. Um, and you see what could have been when he concentrated just on football, um, what he built in the seventies. So I think both of them, if they were still around would say, that Mark Davis has made the right decision in cooking with sugar rather than salt and letting the bitterness go and not fighting the fight quite so hard and with so much vitriol and maybe just finding a way to put that aside and, and fight the fight on the side rather than having it consume you and concentrate on football. Because that's what Al loved and that's what we love and when you concentrate on the game, the NFL is a great place to, to work and live and be a fan of. When you concentrate on the business, it just gets frustrating. And I think Al Davis found that out. Yeah, I think there's a good lesson in there in there for all of us. And just wrapping it up with Ken, Ken Rogers. And Ken, you know, the, the debut of this, uh, of the 30 for 30 is something that I know that really the entirety of the Raider Nation is very excited about. And when you drop the teaser, you know, the, the social media, at least from when we're, where we're sitting, people are excited, they're fired up. What has been the response from the fans in terms of back to you guys, where it seems like people are very, very excited for February 4th for this thing to, uh, to be shown to the public? Uh, I'm always, um, I don't know why, but I'm always amazed at the, the overwhelming response uh, from Raider Nation to anything we do about the Raiders. Uh, you know, I, I shouldn't be by now, but it's so overwhelming. 
um, you know, I, I think there's this, this perception out there that there's, you know, maybe Pittsburgh and Green Bay and Dallas and they're the big markets and that's it. But when we do a Raiders film or when we do Raiders content, you can tell that it is a nation, that there's a national fan base out there that responds. We get responses from all over, not just this country, but elsewhere in the world. And they're, they're active. There's, there's not a lot of passive voices in Raider Nation. You can say that again, uh, yeah. I mean, it is, it, it's a great world to be a part of. And as you said earlier, everyone is welcome. And I think in many ways, that's, that's the way sports should be. And that's the way franchises need to move. I think once again, the Raiders are out front of the rest of sports in terms of how sports can bring us all together. That is, everyone gets along, no matter your status, outsiders are welcome. And when we're a part of Raider Nation, everything else goes away because we're cheering for the same thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very well. In this case, it's the film. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you said it about as well as I could, where it is, this fan base is an eclectic one. It is an active one. It is a very passionate one. But at the end of the day, regardless of race, creed, color, how much money you make, where you live, they are all dedicated to seeing this organization succeed. Well, Ken, we appreciate your time so immensely. Uh, we're all going to be very, very excited. The film comes out February 4th at 9 o'clock p.m., and, uh, and you can bet that us and a lot of our friends will be tuned in. So thank you for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much, Raider Nation. A massive thank you to Ken Rogers for giving us a few minutes. And I have to tell you guys this. I was lucky enough to watch the documentary in its entirety last week, and Raider Nation, you are going to love it. Al Davis vs. the NFL premieres on ESPN this Thursday, February 4th at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific, so make sure you lock in for that. I'm Eddie Pascal, and this was The Morning Grind. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Morning Grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com.